the sad story of a brewery losing its way. How every IPA in America became exactly the same. Cheap beer's got some fun new innovations for Christmas time. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, basically the rainbow fentanyl for the podcasting world in that we make people very upset for no discernible reason, we're not recommended for children, and no matter how many of you try to slip us into a uh, kid's Halloween sack, uh, we don't actually exist. Oh, we're also very colorful. I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, how you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you, buddy? You, you, seem, you, you seem to be like trying to decide whether you liked that or not. I feel like you were like, I... I mean, it's it's on point or and and very topical, but was it too much? I don't know. Too soon, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was pissed off because uh, uh, we took uh, our little boy out uh, trick or treating for the very first po- time, and not a single bit of fentanyl in the whole thing, not one. And that's what I was relying on to get through this podcast tonight. So if I'm a little bit dragging, um, it's the people in the neighborhood's fault for not slipping us drugs. That's what I'm saying. I was. We took Parker out trick-or-treating, and where were all these people that supposedly give your kids edibles, <laughs> like marijuana candy? Like, where the fuck was that? I We stopped by a bunch of houses, and I never got high from any of them. That's a shame. Uh, so I uh, I just came back from our, from my trip to the Midwest. Uh, um, unlike you, I did uh, bring some stuff back. Um, I brought uh, us a couple of beers from uh, Kroos. In my defense, you did say you were going to bring more stuff back, but then you drank it. So <laughs> that, you fell into that trap partially. Yes, when you drove, I, I flew. And I had the good sense to buy more than I knew I was going to drink. How do you not at least plan for your own alcoholism, Tyler? Well... I didn't realize how much I drink when I got back to my hotel room since I was drinking all day. Um, I brought a couple of uh, beers from a uh, uh, from a new brewery, or at least new to me. Uh, they weren't around when I was living in Omaha, but uh, this is from Cross Strain Brewing. Uh, and actually, I think they're out of Lincoln. Um, no, La Vista? Oh, La Vista. So basically Omaha. That's like... Um, they, are, they are to uh, Omaha what like Nampa is to Boise. And if you're outside so, Idaho, um, it is what, like, the, the the furthest town away from your main city center is while still being sort of kind of part of that city. So wouldn't it be Caldwell? No, it's not that far out. Caldwell is like, uh, uh, Caldwell is Lincoln almost for Omaha, <laughs> except for better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Wahoo. Wahoo is, uh, is uh, uh, Omaha's Caldwell. <laughs> I have no idea any of these places besides Lincoln. <laughs> uh, the shit, the shitty part of uh, uh, the shitty, the shitty town near Omaha. <laughs> mm. You can send people in Wahoo. You may send your uh, uh, emails to itsallbeer at gmail dot com, uh, but you won't because you haven't. You got can't a operate a computer. <laughs> uh, I know people in Wahoo. <laughs> probably don't listen to this podcast uh anyway i brought some beer back uh 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 you got the uh hazy ipa i got the vienna lager what do you think uh super thick not a bad color not my favorite color solid head retention good citrus notes coming through but 
end of the day, it's a juicy, hazy IPA. Um, the funny thing was is that um, that I uh, 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 you you came by my uh, uh, my place of business to pick up these beers, and I asked which one you wanted, and you picked the Vienna Lager. Uh, and then I and I whined a bit like a little bitch. I'm not, I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, <laughs> because what I really wanted was the Vienna Lager. Um, uh, I just thought it was gentlemanly to uh, to provide you with the choice. Uh, and then when you picked the one I wanted, I realized the flaw in that logic. So I ended up with Vienna Lager, and I'm not surprised because you- I'm a gentleman. And I was like, well, you bought them, so I will and- let you drink the one you want to drink. <laughs> and I'm but. Now I'm not convinced you didn't get the better deal. It's okay. Um, it's got a, it's got a, a, a nice light, slightly fruity aroma, like strawberry. Like the, the Vienna malt definitely comes out in that light strawberry toastiness. The flavor is, I mean, it's got that, it's got that nice light, slightly caramely flavor. Again, light fruit, clean. But then there is this bitterness that just sits and lingers and lingers and lingers. It's weird because it kind of comes out of nowhere and it just sits on your tongue. It's like it's kind of like that. uh, 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 It's it's kind of like an uninvited guest that comes late to the party and then won't fucking leave. <laughs> so yes, it's not bad. It's uh, it's uh, it's not my favorite Vienna Lager. It's it's kind of bitter. I feel like I've just been hoisted uh, hoisted on my own petard, dude. Because <laughs> this hazy IPA, it's good. It's it's just a hazy IPA. I can see how this won a silver medal at GABF. I mean that's that, that's uh, that's kind of why I, I, I a lot of people talked up this brewery while I was there, and then I uh, I happened upon a bottle shop that uh, had these um, things available, and I saw silver medal and saw you know and thought oh why not so, but um, yeah I think I've I think I may have picked <laughs> you outmaneuvered yourself <laughs> I sh- I I should have. Well, and even and, and it, there was even a part of me that would you know when that when you said okay you pick one fine and I'm like looking at him I'm going, well I don't know if I want a hazy IPA but it won silver maybe it's the better one and and now I'm thinking that I might have <laughs> I should have if I would have kept my stupid mouth shut I would have ended up with the better beer. Oh, <laughs> uh, although I if you would have been like actually no way I'm gonna keep the hazy IPA I would have been like really motherfucker like. <laughs> You indecisive cunt. Uh, speaking of indecisive cunt, uh, 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 Tyler, uh, what do you got for us today? Well, Jeremy, we're going to... I saw this article of on the Bruvana talking about when a brewery loses its way, and it was specifically referring to Omegang uh, out of Cooperstown, New York. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, a little backstory on them. Uh, brewery Omegang turned 25 this year, which I did not realize they were 25 years old. I guess um, I didn't either, but that doesn't really surprise me. They've been a f- they've been a force to reckon with for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So the article states, for the first 15 years of business, uh, it was considered one of the country's best breweries, setting a standard for the heights uh, of Belgian-style ales that are brewed in the united states um they talk about when they visited their booth at gabf uh that they impressed the 
author more than any other brewery there. Uh, the former, the longtime brewer, Phil Leinhart's, um, were just super subtle amid strength, harmony, and just really delicious. Well, Americans started drifting away from Belgian beers in the early teens, about the time they landed the Game of Thrones, and I think they also did the Lord of the Rings beers, if I'm not they did. Mistaken. The Lord of the Rings beers became came before Game of Thrones, obviously, but yeah, yeah they they were the ones that did the the that that run of of beer. Yep. So they did that. You know, starting to focus a little more on drawing a wider audience. Um, but hops were taking off. IPAs still a force to be reckoned with, and things started slowing down by the middle part of the decade for them. Uh, so they decided to push some of their regular offerings out of the tap rooms and out of the shelves. And with this, because they were also located up in a more remote town of Cooperstown, people in Syracuse and Albany and New York City never really saw them as local because there was it was still a trek to get to them. But... Because of this and volume starting to nosedive, uh, in 2018, they started to dabble in their first non-Belgian hoppy beers, Neon Rainbows, which, can you really blame a brewery for being like, hey, numbers are down, we need to start doing an IPA to make some money? Uh, yes and no. I mean... Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm not there on the ground. Sometimes you need to do what you get, you need to do. But, um, you know, I look, I look to a brewery like Monkless, um, and maybe that's a bad comparison because they are, uh, much smaller on the, uh, you know, relative to, um, to, uh, what Oma Gang became. And Oma Gang is, refresh my memory, did they, they got at least partially purchased by... Uh, Duval, Duval, if I remember, Duval Morgat. is that? Yeah, that's okay. I have that I, right. I want to say so. I didn't double check, and the article doesn't bring up anything with the partial purchase. Um, partial, if not outright, uh, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe I'll look that up uh, um, as you're going deeper into it. But um, I mean, I think that one of the things I appreciate about Monkless, um, and I use them as a comparison because they're also uh, known for their primarily Belgian style beers. They're out of Bend, Oregon, but, um, to placate the hop heads, uh, they've come out with a couple of beers. Uh, one of which is, um, capitulation, which is, uh, <laughs> but it is, it's a dry hopped Belgian tripel. And, okay. and I, and I've tried that. I I've actually, it's one of the few beers I've bought more than once. Um, because it is a beautifully drinkable yet hoppy, Beer, it's an interesting twist. They also did Hazy Day in Brussels, which is kind hmm. of the same thing. Um, so I guess my I, I guess my argu- argument is you could do that without bowing to trends, maybe. But and but you're still kind of bowing to trends. I, yes, but doing it in a more creative way, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, the article continues on and goes. It's a step that would leave them to a half reinvention of the brewery as an IPA house, 
They put the IPAs in the cans, but still sold the bottles of the regular old-school line. They soon, not long after, parted with Linehart and President Doug Campbell and doubled down on the IPA, uh, which the writer says is, to his eye, a cringy OMG line of hazy IPAs, pastry beers, and limp forward with one foot in the past and one in the future. Um, but the one thing the author never expected was a decline in quality. Um, which that is a major hurdle if some it, for a brewery to get back over if they try to recover from that. Um, they why he says he hasn't loved everything the brewery sent out. They were all well made. They lacked the clarity and mastery of the core Belgian style beers they've been making for decades, but they're on par with the beers many breweries are making. Um, and then he got to the point of no return when they sent a bottle of something called Everything Nice. It was a spiced Belgian style Blondale. So it should have been right in their wheelhouse. And he says it isn't just bad, it's bad in the most surprising way. It tastes like a Belgian style ale brewed by a brewery that's never made a Belgian ale before. Ooh. Did he describe why, or is it just as? Yep. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I do tell. Uh, It says the trouble starts with the nose. A hot plume of alcohol sends a massive dose of spices streaming out of the glass. It's nine percent ABV. Uh, The flavor is worse. It's just way overspiced. The brewery lists cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, cloves, and white pepper as ingredients. Uh, but they form a wall of sharp astringency. Uh, they could distinguish the cinnamon, but the other spices blend into a mass of overextracted bitterness, which it makes the alcohol seem harsh and the booze and spice bitterness clash. It was actively unpleasant, and they couldn't drink more than a few sips. <laughs> I like uh, the I like the adjective actively unpleasant. Tyler, that's, yes. I, I think you've been described as that at least once in your life. <laughs> Probably, maybe not such kind words, but... Uh, I mean, uh, oh, uh, that that's actively unpleasant. And the thing is, uh, uh, and I mean, you know, it, it, not only does it sound like it's just a clash of flavor... I mean, the, it sounds like a, just a clash of flavors that all just don't go well with each other, but the whole idea of that, I understand what he's saying when he says, um, when he says it tastes like a beer, uh, a Belgian beer made by someone who's never had a Belgian before because Belgian beers are all about subtlety. If you can, I'm almost mm-hmm. to the point, if you can pick out the spices they've used. It's a little too much. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're looking for complexity. So you're, te- you're, you're looking for this nice, smooth drinkable ale but you know that might be slightly spiced that that just adds like layers of like oh i'm also getting like maybe a touch of like earthiness that might be cinnamon or coriander i don't know um but yeah something that aggressive and that <laughs> aggressively offensive uh yeah that's that's sad and alarming yep the author then goes on to say you know spices are hard to work with but <laughs> Oma Gang has tons of experience doing beers with it that they did well. Um, And um, 
they go, they don't know what's worse is that uh, how this happened or that it was sent out to the public and packaged. Um, you know, he said from what they could taste, the base beer seemed fine. It just seemed way too heavily spiced. And so they didn't know if blending it down with a second batch would have brought the spice to a more reasonable level or what. Uh, and states, in their opinion, they should have just dumped it. But do mention that, you know, there's usually a reason a brewery is sending out subpar beer and none of them are good. One, they don't realize it's bad. Uh, two, they need the money. Or three, as they suspect, they have to send a seasonal order to distributors and have no time to make another batch. So you just got to send it so you don't lose self-shelf space. I don't, well, I would argue it's, it's, uh, it's probably a mix of one and three. But with a with but with a certain emphasis on one because you have to you have to realize that um, and I've noticed this I actually had this experience with a with a uh, a brewery owner today who shall remain nameless. It's amazing how blind you can be to your own faults while finding them in other in 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 in, in other breweries. Um, ooh, ooh, I, I am curious uh, and. After this podcast, I will have you tell me. <laughs> I mean, when I tell you, you'll go, okay, yeah, that tracks. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, have that's... like four names in my head. <laughs> um, but, uh, but my point is, is that, I mean, I think you can convince yourself that, no, 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 I think this is good. Do you like it? I like it. Yeah, I think this is very good. Yeah, this is, I like, you know what? I think the, the I think that we effectively overdid it. I think that shows that we're being more innovative. Don't you think that? Don't you? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're sending it out. Yeah, this is all good. <laughs> Ooh. Uh. <laughs> you're, and now you're thinking, uh, now you're, th I think you, now you're thinking about uh, who it might be. It's not that person. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was kind of doing an impression of a uh, of somebody else. In this case, he is not the offender. <laughs> All right, okay. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, you're like, "What the fuck are they doing?" Listen, <laughs> it's a small there's, circle. There's an in, there's internal politics. Uh, come see me, uh, and if 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 I trust you, or send me an email, and maybe I'll tell you who it is, and I'll tell you who it is, and if you're in this valley. Um, you probably will. You will know. <laughs> no, actually, well, if you're in this valley, there's like a 50% chance you'll know who they are. And if they're, if you're outside this valley, you have no idea who they are. So, <laughs> but my point is, is you can't smell your own fart smell good. That's what I, in a very roundabout way <laughs> that I've <laughs> now sort of implicated myself in, in, uh, in, in suggesting your own farts smell kind of good. Yeah. But it seeing this article, I was like, man, you know, that is super sad. Like, Oma Gang was one of the, like, we're not going to change our core ethos. And now it seems like they've just given up on it. They um, have no ethos. <laughs> yeah. But it then made me think, is there someone in the Northwest or on the West Coast that we can think of that seems to have lost their way outside of the obvious, like, Elysian selling to AB and Bev? 
Except for, I don't think Elysian has lost their way. Um, they've changed. Um, but uh, the stuff that still makes it in here, I mean, honestly, and I'm going to say this before their sale, Stone. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's a... Uh, I, I, uh, I mean, they, they had to sell to Sapporo for a number of reasons, not the least of which they made a ton of very questionable business decisions. But I mean, I've, I've stated this before on the podcast. Um, the stuff that we're getting up here that are doing well, they're re-releases of their old stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. they haven't created something innovative and good for years now. So I would, that would be, that would be the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, the only other one that I could really think of, but even then, I don't know if they fully lost their way or if they, like, the upper people of that company were just shitbags the whole time, <laughs> uh, was Melvin. That's a good one. That's a, that's a good one, too. Um, uh, I think, although I, I don't, I, I, I think your assessment may not be... Your assessment may not be incorrect, and I think Melvin may have suffered from um, from that from what happens when you from from that uh, when you become good too early. Yeah, the entourage effect of everyone saying you, no one will tell you that sucked. It's everyone says that's great. Absolutely right. I think uh, I think where they ran into problems was, I mean they. I mean, when they came on the the national stage, they did. They came in hard, and they had uh, they uh, they came out of nowhere, and they were one of the most sought after breweries um, in the country. The only other brewery I can think of that had that kind of impact out of almost nowhere was Lawson's Fine Liquids on the East Coast. Uh, I could kind of see revision as well because <laughs> coming off the knee deep pipe. Yeah, but revision. But I mean, everybody knew that revision. You know, because the brewer, the the the, the brewer came from knee deep. Um, yeah. Um, I think people expected good things from revision, and revision delivered. And so, but Melvin just. I mean, it it really was like uh, I remember, and this was twenty sixteen or something. Um. All of a sudden, there was this brewery in Wyoming, of all places, that was just making uh, this IPA that everybody wanted, and mm-hmm. um, and there was, I, I mean, there was a time they could do no wrong. Um, I remember going to NABA, what four years ago, and they won shit. I mean, um, you know how many? Uh, I don't know how many medals they won, and it was funny. Um, I remember, uh, um, uh, you know, afterwards, after the award ceremony, you know, I'm kind of bar hopping, and I find myself at the same bar with the head brewer of, of, uh, of, of, I think it was either the head brewer or the owner. I can remember, can't remember who it was, but I saw him down there, and I, and I, kind of went over to say, hey, I just want to say congratulations, and I love your work, and his response was to take like the pile of medals they won and just drop them on the table. Which was, and he just didn't say anything. He just took the medals, dropped them on the table, and like, mic drop. 
And I'm not sure. Should just grab the medals and walked away. And I'm not sure that was like I don't need your praise. I've got these medals. Or look how I mean I don't. It was a weird response, and I just kind of walked away. Or was he too drunk to use? He was also very drunk too. So maybe that was the thing. But uh, but flash forward last year, I went to NABA. You know how many Melvin? How many uh, medals Melvin won? Zip zero. No big old goose egg. So, um, yeah, I think they may have, they may have suffered from this. Yeah, we can do no wrong. And they forgot that to stay on top, you know, getting to the top takes work, but staying on top takes work as well. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? After that, uh, uh, after that lovely thought, uh, IPA news now. Um, <laughs> oh, that tied in perfectly. <laughs> sometimes the story you set out to write is not the story you end up writing. And that actually was the case for uh, Jeff Alworth of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, who set out on an epic adventure to document the great American IPA and specifically um, how this iconic style is represented in different states and with slightly different histories, tastes, brewing culture. Basically, what he wanted to do was see how different I, this style was in different parts of the country. But what, he, but what he found was a land where all the beer tasted more or less roughly the same. Whether he ordered a West Coast in Portland, Maine, or a Hazy IPA in Portland, Oregon, what he got was... Kind of the same, moderately bitter, slightly hazy, featuring fruity hops. And while we still draw a distinction between West Coast and East Coast IPA, he argues that that divide is closing, and in and in time, there will only be the American IPA. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that discussion, um, I feel like we should talk about how we got here. So, um, well... It's handy to, you know, how it how the IPA evolved in different parts of the country um, during the time where there were different parts of the country. Um, uh, your original IPAs, especially on the East Coast, were basically a continuation of English IPAs, which, and this may be hard for modern audiences to understand, hops were kind of a secondary ingredient, even then. Like, mm-hmm. they were still the potatoes to the steak dinner. Um, and Eng- English IPAs are still very malt-forward. Yeah, with earthier hops. Well, and and they're but they're featuring the malt. You're getting caramel. You're mm-hmm. getting toasty. You're getting biscuity. Um, and yeah, the, the 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 hop presence is there, but it's more in the intense bitterness to just kind of to really back up that malt profile and make it drinkable, dry, and refreshing. <laughs> um, so you take. For example, Harpoon IPA, which is mentioned in the article. I think you serve Harpoon, if it was available, uh, to someone ordering an IPA these days. I think they take a drink, they push it back, and inform the server that they wanted an IPA, not whatever this is. (laughs) Um, Probably. The the West Coast, um, as the West Coast does, was doing its own thing. And particularly with relatively new strains of hops, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, Armorillo... These were the hops that featured light grapefruit rind, floral flavor, featured in Sierra Nevada IPA, Stone IPA, and pretty much every IPA that began to define the American IPA with the rise of craft beer. Anchor Liberty Pale Ale. Those two, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 picture one of the legacy IPAs 
especially uh, in the western half of the United States. That's what we're talking about. This article really doesn't mention this, but uh, um, uh, uh, especially on the west coast, IBUs were king, and there's a distinctly American logic at play here that that it, that follows the story of the evolution <laughs> of the IPA. Which and that logic is, if some is good, more must be better. <laughs> And this idea was taken to its logical extreme until someone comes around and brings in a new idea. So around this time, it was all around IBUs. What do you remember about this time? Uh, who was it that did the beer that was called I Beat You? That was And it was like dog. a thousand... That was, was Brewdog, it? I, thought I it think. Was, might have been, I think it was McKellar. It could have been McKellar, too. It was one of either McKellar or Brewdog. I want to say Brewdog. That sounds a, like a Brewdog thing. It was a thousand IBU beer that was just like you couldn't taste anything because it was just too bitter. Um, you have people walking into tap rooms and ordering, the, you know, ordering their beer based on the number of IBUs it had. This is where you had some literally. It was McKellar. It was a McKellar. Okay. Uh, yep. you, but you had some insane IBU count, 100, 120, 150. I'm not going to wade into the debate whether or not you can taste anything over 100 because that was the height of that debate where, like, you had the beer. You had you had some geeks going, no, you can't taste anything over 100. Everything over 100 is stupid. And then other other people going, but we want to do it over 100. And it's so bitter that you, you can taste it in your poop. Uh <laughs> You're yeah. like, first of all, I don't think you should be eating your poop. No, no, no. Your butthole will actually pucker a little bit. That's how bitter it is. It just travels all the way down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember the I beat you. I could remember. I could remember if it was like five hundred or a thousand, but it had a it had an objectively insane amount. Uh, yeah, and they just did it with like hop oils and yeah, it was just something fucking stupid. I mean, I I think that beer was more a political statement, so to speak, than an actual attempt to make something good. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a, okay, we won, now let's make good beer. Um, and that, but the thing is, that was what, what was happening. I think that was starting to become a turnoff. Um, and it definitely was a turnoff for me personally, because I started getting interested in craft beer around that time. Um, or actually before then, but the, I mean, the thing was, is that, uh, yeah, I didn't like IPAs, and I continued to not like IPAs because they were just these unpalatably bitter things that I don't think even the beer geeks enjoyed other than to prove how big their IBU dick was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, uh, but anyway, so, yeah, like I said, the, the American tendency if some is good more must be better uh it just became a game of how masochistically bitter you could make a beer and uh it, that still has some effect to this day um i still hear this and i know you do too people coming coming in from the street wondering how many ibus a beer has and they say well i don't like anything over like 30 ibus and then my favorite is to give them a sample of fucking 1050 from oscar blues and they're like yes this is like the right level of ibu and i go that's a hundred ibu is a fucking worthless measurement unless you know exactly what the fuck you're talking about so let's say you don't like bitter beer right i mean it became this like objective measurement of how bitter something could be um, and I entirely blame the uh, the early IPA wars for that. 
Um, yes. And it's, and we're still dealing with that today. Um, but and actually around this time, and I'm actually a little disappointed because this part wasn't in the article. This is just something that this is just my own personal um, uh, addition, but it completely ignores the emergence of new hops. Um, and I think this is absolutely critical to the story because um, Citra emerged like Zeus from the head of, uh, well, Zeus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a, str- it's a, a hop strain joke there. Um, Anyway, it's a dad joke for beer geeks. Um, and also, Mandarina Bavaria, Simcoe, Eldorado, Huel Melon, Australia and New Zealand became a huge thing then. And we're Came going, onto the scene. Yeah, in a big way. And, and uh, with strains like Nelson Sav, Southern Cross, Vic Secret, Moteka. Um, uh, Galaxy? Galaxy is another good one. You remember when Galaxy, like, first came? I feel that was, like, the first... New Zealand hop that I really tried and it just came on and everyone was like, holy fuck, like what kind of flavors is this giving off? Do you remember uh, what happened to that hop for a couple of years? It disappeared. Yeah. Do you remember why? Because uh, it was sold out, wasn't it? AB InBev bought all of it. Oh. You remember that? Because, yeah, they, yes. they, had a, they had a contract and so uh, they bought all the galaxy for like two or three years, I want to say. Yeah. And there was, a, I mean, and this was when the, uh, when, you know, the railing against big beer was at its height. And that was, there was no small amount of animosity. And rightly so, I might add, that uh, AB InBev got to play with galaxy and nobody else did. But um, now I've got a, a pound of galaxy in my freezer, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, on the East Coast... Um, the Alchemist was taking a different approach to how you hop a IPA, um, adding a lot of starchy grains like oats and flaked wheat and some yeast that left a lot more residual sugars behind and an objectively stupid amount of hops uh, late in the process. They came out with a version of an IPA that was soft, sweet, full-bodied, and absolutely bursting with fresh fruit flavor. Um, and in But America- they told you to drink it from the can. And, and, of course, in American tradition, some is good, more is better. When was the last time you had Hetty Topper, Tyler? Uh, when I was at GABF. Okay, so you've had it very recently. Yes, and I had Focal Banger. I mean, so I want to see if your response to, I mean, because I had, I had a, a Alchemist when it first came out, and it was like a, holy shit, this is something new and interesting. And then I've had it fairly recently, Compared to uh, uh, to the hazy IPAs that are coming out, what's your impression of uh, Hetty Topper now? I mean, it's the OG, but there's really no big difference. It's kind of like when Pliny the Elder was super... It blew everyone's mind because no one had a boozy, big, bold IPA before. And then once Imperial IPAs became super common, everyone's like, oh yeah, it's Pliny the Elder. See, my impression of it was as, I, I, I mean, it's the OG, but when I had, I'm like, it's fruity, it's citrusy, it's kind of, it's like moderately bitter. I mean, it's like, it was like a middle of the road, hazy IPA at that point in time. Like, I, I'd still put it upper middle of the road because, I mean, you'd still do get you know, a really nice color. 
you've got that right amount of mouthfeel. It is that big citrus, but it's not the biggest. But, but what well, I mean, you might still put it in the it, put it in the running. But the fun, the the thing is, when the BJCP created Hazy IPA this year, uh, Hetty Topper wasn't on it, which I was surprised. In fact, nothing from Alchemist um, even made the list of the top five IPAs. Now, partially that is because, um, uh, you know, uh, I think Alchemist is still. Uh, fairly locally distributed. And mm-hmm. when the BJCP comes out with these lists, they're trying to get beers that are fairly, that, that, that are fairly cover available. most of the States. Right. I mean, they, I, I think when they make these lists, um, they, they try to make it. So there's a reasonable chance that no matter where you are in the United States, you can find you can one find of it. these on this list. As near as they can. Um, here in Idaho, we still have trouble. But um, no, it was uh, Belching Beavers, uh, a Hazer's Gonna Haze was their top pick for Hazy IPA. Really? Yeah. That And your face, that was exactly my like, really? All right. But. Um, uh, I mean, it's not a bad beer. It's a good beer, but. But the, but that is but that is their top, and then also they list these you know from their best to worst. And I don't have the entire list in front of me, but I do remember Belching Beavers Hazers Gonna Haze is it was their pick for top hazy IPA as the quintessential um, example of what that style should be. Um, but anyway, um, in the article, uh, John Magic uh, Montes uh, Monte de Oca, excuse me. Uh, uh, the brewer at uh, uh, Bear Bottle Brewing in California joked that brewers were trying to ma- get to as close to a, a glass of orange juice as possible, which I've made that joke. So have you. In fact, I think early in the uh, in the uh, uh, haze craze, so to speak, um, somebody sent a, you know, it was, a, it was like a Facebook meme or something that uh, someone uh, uh, snapped a picture of uh, ocean, spa- uh, ocean spray uh, uh uh, grapefruit juice and said, Hey, I just found this new hazy IPA from new England. Anybody heard of it? <laughs> um, but he, but he added some nuance saying, quote, uh, this is still California, uh, and the home of the West coast IPA. So dank piney and grassy flavors are also very commonly found often blended with tropical hops. Uh, if you can make a beer that smells and tastes like slightly dank guava and mangoes, you've hit a home run. And, that's where the story is taking us, and I and I dare say you'd seen it too. Uh, the assertion that people are over the haze craze, um, mm-hmm. that people just I, I I you've been around tap rooms uh, near enough uh, long enough to go to hear people go. I'm I just want a clear beer now. I just want I just want a clear beer. Um, and I think what they're craving is a beer with some bitterness and some dryness. You know, uh, hazy IPAs. They're good, but they're not terribly drinkable. No. what The reason I started to get burned out was on both sides, there was no balance. When it was overly bitter and dry or when it was overly juicy and sweet, like I, ju- I didn't care if it was hazy. I didn't care if it was fucking clear. I just wanted a balanced beer with some good hop character, a little bit of bitterness, and a clean finish, but in and I think in pursuit and I, and, and you're not wrong and I think I'm 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 kind of with you, um, in pursuit of that uh, of that balance, 
slowly east and west are getting closer and closer. Um, now I'm st- now the author uh, of this piece said he already declared there was no difference between east and west coast. I'm of the mind that there is still a dis- distinct difference, but it's closing. What's your thoughts? Uh, I think there is still a slight difference in its closing, and I think one of the things that never really got brought up, or maybe he brought it up, but it just didn't make it in the conversation, was the access to hops. Back in the initial part of the craft revolution, you got whatever hops were grown closest to you. And we're also, and I I, I just want to throw this in really quick. We also had 2006... Um, which was uh, the, hop, the shortage. hop shortage. Yes. And so it very much was whatever hops. That, that, and that was like towards the height of, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that was like the height of when IPA really started taking over and the hop mafia, so to speak, began flexing <laughs> its muscles. And we're like, we can get more money for this. Um, and so, yeah, the brewers were definitely... Uh, um, were, were just brewing with whatever hops they could get, which was the origin of, do you remember 21st Amendments? Um, what was that? They, they had a, a specialty beer that they made. Um, something about like a hop caper or hop crime, hop. I, I think it was just hop shortage. Hop heist? Maybe. Something like that. But they had like this intensely bitter, caramely IPA that was in in honor of the uh, of the the hop shortage. Yep, but no, I think you know back in the earlier days, you weren't able to get this fun new strain if you lived on the east coast from the northwest, and vice versa. And now there's just so much. I mean, hop on Lupulin Exchange, you may pay through the nose on it, but you're gonna find. Whatever fucking hop strain you want, if you're willing to pay the price. I don't think even, I mean, and I think relatively speaking, I mean, even when you you say pay through the nose, you're going to pay through the nose less than you would have earlier, if that makes any sense. Ten years ago, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the cost for even the most exotic hops um, has gone way down, if if for no other reason than the sheer glut of them. Because... Mm -hmm. But I think because both sides are and anywhere in the country, I mean, fuck, Nebraska can get the same fun one-off hops that everyone else is using. Of course, those flavors are all going to start to blend, and there's going to be no divide. Um, well, and and uh, uh, I mean, I think there. I've I've noticed a slight. Well, when you talk about like the because you have. West Coast, you have East Coast, and then you have this ill-defined category called Juicy. And (laughs) and I've always hated, I I with every fiber of my body, I've hated the 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 descriptor Juicy as a category, as a flavor component. Sometimes it applies. I'm like, yeah, this tastes like straight up orange juice. Um, and sometimes, and I hate myself when I have to do this, I'm like, yeah, this IPA is super juicy. Um, but the juicy IPA as a category is this annoying thing that's, I, it's so ill-defined that I've had like, like super piney, bitter bombs that call themselves juicy. I've had like 
opaque, uh, uh, not even East Coast. They're just, I think they just took the true about the bottom of your fermenter and packaged it as a juicy. Um, and everything. Yeah, you the- just pulled everything from the Whirlpool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it's so ill-defined uh, other than if you put juicy on the label, people will buy it. Um, but, um, the, I mean, that... But I think in there, you're starting to get what people want, which is, um, yeah, they want that, like, nice, bright, super complex hop flavor. But they also want... You, you also want to be able to slam a six-pack of it sometimes. Yep. Um, I will, uh, uh, I'll say a couple things in closing. Um, uh, uh, when you look at classic beer styles, Pilsner, Belgian Trappist beers, Porter, Stout, Kolsch, Saison, these all evolved over time, sometimes decades, um, sometimes centuries. So what we're talking about is a style for, that is, for all intents and purposes, as old as you and I. Um, mm-hmm. And so it has some pedigree, no doubt, but the American IPA, as we know it, is in its 40s not terribly old when it comes to beer styles. And so it's not, not only probable, but inevitable that it will settle into some version that plays the most amount of people. And I'm going to end with, um, I put something on a uh, uh, Twitter that said, you know, that references this article, uh, p- basically asking the same question, you know, your thoughts on whether or not, uh, uh, uh hazy or West coast IPA, uh, there was a difference and friend of the show, Will Sinclair from, uh, uh, uh of, uh, Brunomics, uh, wrote mm-hmm. us back. Uh, the different of IPA has lost all meaning. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler, what do you got for us? Well, little sky is falling, but not news here. Uh, beer is on pace to lose its leading share of the U.S. alcohol market as spirits are closing in fast. I feel so, like this has been several years in the making, but. Um... Uh, is is has it t- taken a, a a drastic turning point at this point? Uh, it's closing in more and more each year. Uh, according to the article on CNBC, uh, beer has been losing share to spirits for the last 12 years. Um, they talked to Drizzly, a liquor delivery app that said spirits dominate that app. Um, and, uh, spoke to some legacy beer companies like Sam Adams, um, AB InBev, Bolson Coors, um, and really have seen where the focus is less on beer and starting to get more into the RTD. Hard seltzers less, but that RTD and canned cocktails is really taking off. And this... uh, when this article came out October 27th, uh, Sam Adams that week was debuting the Loma Vista tequila soda, a ready-to-drink tequila cocktail in both lime and mango flavors. Uh, and they said it tequila cocktails sits at the crux of explosive growth of the RTD beverage section. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but um, they've already discontinued the long drink thing, haven't they? Oh, yeah, because also they were getting sued. <laughs> oh, I missed that. How, did we not cover that yeah. on this? I never saw uh, that, like, an article, like, getting into it. But I heard it around through other reps. And then when I talked to the long drink rep, 
she's like, yeah, no, they were a shitty knockoff of us, and they shut that down because it was Bevy was what Sam Bevy, Adams had. Yeah. Uh, so long drink because Bevy didn't use any actual liquor in it. It was cane sugar. So long drink actually uses the gin in it, and. Yeah, I remember that because there was a, that was a whole uh, um, uh, uh, there was a whole thing because they wanted to avoid the legality and taxation and all the shit that comes from actually adding distilled spirits into a drink. So they wanted to make yep. very clear that there was no gin in this. This was a malt beverage. Yes. Uh, so part of the reason they said they were going with tequila in it was because. Um, that's. I just did a quick. Sorry, I just did a quick Google search to see if there's any. There is no mention of that. That they they made that quietly go away, didn't they? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I I love the fact that not only did we try one uh, on air, but we have an episode all about it. So <laughs> Sam Adams, it will never go away. It will last as long as it's all beer is an entity, which to be fair is probably not much of a threat. <laughs> Ten grand. <laughs> And that episode's gone forever, baby. Uh, 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 Sam Adams, that is, a, that is an official officer. Yeah, uh, offer uh, 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 ten grand. And that episode, I I misplaced it. <laughs> Cash money. I don't want no fucking uh, income tax getting paid on this. I want it. Cash, unmarked bills. I want it in singles. Uh, <laughs> Do you visit that many strippers, Tyler? Jesus Christ. I will if I have to. Uh. <laughs> All right, half in singles, half in reasonable denominations. I will take a check, okay? Uh, Tyler's going to do his weird, he needs to have his weird briefcase thing. Sam Adams, I will take a check, okay? I want a duffel bag, <laughs> bud. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but uh, tequila and mezcal uh, are in the top five of revenue growth for 2021. Um with a 30% revenue growth. So it is fucking taking off. Um, and so the beer category accounted for 42% of the U.S. beverage alcohol market in 2021, while spirits account for 41%. Wine is at 16. Um, wow. But with the current trajectory, spirits are pegged to overtake the beer and market share in the next few years even though beer sales are starting to trend up. Um, I mean, if there's anything I can say about the past decade or so, it's that you're going to need some strong shit to get through another day. Yep. Um, but some good news, actually, on beer is uh, they spoke to Bart Watson, the chief economist for the Brewers Association, and he said there are park pockets of growth. Uh Beer drinkers are seeking out more premium offerings. In 2021, overall beer sales were up 1% year over year, hitting the $100.2 billion in sales. And craft beer jumped 8% in 2021 in sales. Uh, I'm, just, I'm kind of surprised that craft beer is still rising, but thank, thank the gods that it is. Now, part of it may have came because I think that's it was up 8% in dollars. 
Ah. Uh, so part of that may be rising costs. And you know what? That actually makes sense because I think we did an article a couple of weeks back where it did explain that most of the growth that we're seeing in beer um, was not so much in sales but in dollars. In the fact that it that almost mm-hmm. everybody's had to rise to raise the cost of a pint, a dollar if not two. Yep. Now he did say. Uh, they are noticing a consumer's increased willingness to spend more on variety, flavor, and quality. Um, and this is boding well for craft beer because the customers are wanting a variety of flavors. And you're seeing growth in new subcategories like light craft light lagers, uh, growth in non-alcoholic beer, uh, that are really starting to help prop up some of the slowing sales of some of the bigger styles to help keep the overall craft beer market up. So, not all doom and gloom, but it kind of reaffirms a lot of people are drinking liquor these days. Uh, and there are times I don't blame them. Um, on a on a complete side note, I was like, as I was scrolling through something right there, um, I did want to confirm that I actually did find this out. Yes, uh, uh, going back to the original story, uh, um, uh, Duval Morgat did buy all my gang a hundred percent, so they are a hundred percent owned by Duval Morgat, which ah, sweet. could which could uh, uh, which could influence some of their decisions. You got you got a corporate person there demanding results. And you may be under some weird pressures to just make shit happen. So, uh, sorry, I, yep. I, I didn't see that. I'm like, oh, I don't think I actually stated that back in that story. So, um, <laughs> well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, Santa Claus can, did a, can get a decent beer news now. Uh, we talk a lot about beer laws in the United States and sometimes even further abroad. Uh, it's time for us to hitch up a sleigh and reindeer and head to the place where you might not expect some stringent beer laws but they do exist, or they did exist at least. Um, Long Year Ben on the uh, Salzburg Archipelago is the northernmost continuously settled town in the world. It sits about. Don't believe it. Not a real place. <laughs> it's it, see. Is it because that uh, because it doesn't sound American? Yep. Be- if I didn't hear about it on Fox News, doesn't exist. Because the the name of the town Long Year Ben was named after an American whose last name was Long Year. And so the name, li- the name literally means Long Year Town. Damn it! <laughs> and I don't know why I know that. I just had so- sort of anticipated that being a thing. <laughs> you know me too well. Um, it is... It sits about halfway between the north coast of Norway and the North Pole on the 76th parallel. Uh, it was there that Robert jo- uh, Johnson arrived in the 1980s to work in the coal industry. There was plenty of beer happening uh, at the at the time, but no one was actually brewing it there, which was weird, he thought, because, as he noted, quote, To be a real city in Europe, you have to have a soccer team and you have to have a brewery. Whether or not they have a soccer team, I can't say for sure, but he soon found out why the brewery didn't exist. When the islands were first settled in the 1920s, the town was managed by a Norwegian mining firm. And given both the remote location and the inherent dangers present uh, uh, when you you aren't stumbling around drunker than the department store Santa, um, they made a law (laughs) against the production of any alcohol in that town. 
Now, that isn't to say that drinking is strictly illegal, but I'll get to that in a moment. Suffice to say that it's tough to get supplies. In no this. one would work for them if they didn't allow drinking. I, I mean, it's well, it's tough to get supplies in the city, and you don't need half your workers hungover or being something worse, like polar bear shit. Um, so there was strict <laughs> rationing, and production was outlawed. Uh, uh, Johansson considered these laws to be completely outdated, and after a five-year fight with the Norwegian government, he managed to get the law changed, and in 2015, opened Solvard Brewing. But... As you might imagine, brewing beer on a remote, frozen corner of the world isn't exactly easy. There ain't, a lot, there ain't a lot of barley growing up there, all right? Or, or hops. hops. <laughs> so everything has to be flown in or taken in by boat, which, you, as you might imagine, uh, makes any equipment failure, even the slightest one, uh, the kind of, you know, even the smallest thing that kind of makes a brewer around here stomp into their local restaurant supply, hardware store, or homebrew store, uh, just basically muttering profanity. Up there, it's a bigger issue. <laughs> and, and there's another thing that you might not have uh, uh, guessed is actually a big deal when you're brewing beer uh, in a fragile ecosystem such as the Arctic. And that is... Uh, wastewater and getting rid of the grain? Second one, you're correct. Getting rid of the grain. Uh, wastewater, you can kind of dump into the ocean. Nobody cares. Um, but the archipelago <laughs> is covered with permafrost. And so dumping it and letting it rot just isn't going to work. You'll end up with a giant frozen hill of barley husk. Uh, they tried to get a local bakery and a stable to use it to feed horses. But they were producing too much for them to use regularly. And finally, after having to spend a fortune having the spent grain hauled back to the mainland by boat, they figured out how to dry and burn it for heat and uh, hot water. Um, Impressive! And actually, they produce so much spent grain that heat and hot water are both powered almost exclusively by spent grain at that brewery. Damn! Um, so, you might ask yourself, what's the beer market like a stone's throw away from the North Pole. Well, it's very good. Um, as the only brewery in town, it's got a lot of local support from the bars, pubs, and eateries in Longbyen. And I'm using the plural of those words because the article does, FYI. Okay. Um, uh, but seriously, it, it talks about a fine dining uh, restaurant that specializes in upscale uh, six-course tasting menu featuring hyper-local Arctic ingredients like reindeer, seal, and seaweed. Uh, the, All right. The big the beer has been a big hit hit there with the owner saying, "quote It's a it's an amazing compliment to everything on the menu, and it's also really amazing for us to have our own beer. It's a little local patriot patriotism in a way." Um, it's served at the local liquor store, which still features. And this is going back to the uh, uh, the weird alcohol laws. There, you have to have an alcohol card there. And here's how it works. Everyone over 21 gets a card, which limits you to 24 cans of beer and two bottles of spirits every month. Wine is unlimited. What? <laughs> Tyler's like, <laughs> and by the way, ain't that a bitch? Fortifying wine is littered to four and a half bottles per month. Um, now... Uh, now, I want you to... Right, 24 cans of beer and two bottles of spirits per month. That's 
That's a weekend. <laughs> In your world, yes. <laughs> they do point out that it is dangerous up there. If you're staggering around drunk, the polar bears outnumber the humans in that town. So? <laughs> they gotta eat, too. Um, the uh, uh, Salford Brewery is served at the local liquor stores, which... Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, and by the way, the, uh, the, the quota only applies at the liquor store. So if you're over your quota, you can still go sh- get shit-faced at any bar or restaurant in the town. Oh, thank God. Um, okay. So, and I'm, I'm getting a sense that these laws are not really, like, they're not really, like, they're not Mississippi or Utah, okay? They're just desperately trying to force miners, a group that notoriously will have a drink if you offer it to them. It's just... It's, <laughs> even if you don't, they still will. They're just trying to rein in enough bad behavior to be functional most of the time. <laughs> and in, so, did that article mention their production numbers? Like, I seriously want to know, like, how much are they actually producing? They did not mention their actual numbers. Um, uh, but, um, uh, they are, but uh, it's got to be pretty substantial because not only are, uh, um, do they produce enough to serve that town? They're one of the few exports of Longbirian um, oh, in some decades. I mean, it was a coal town, but that mostly imported supplies. Um, this brewery is creating the first export. And actually, it's it will uh, a beer from this brewery will soon be available in Hamburg, Germany. So, damn. Um, uh, but back to the uh, back to the alcohol card. Um, I mean, I, 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 I found this kind of. Uh, uh, charming because far from like getting animosity from the locals, the people there that, you know, and, and people rotate in and out. Uh, there's a very small population that lives there year round. They weirdly like it. Uh, one person was quoted saying, quote, it's a very ingrained part of the local culture in the same way. A lot of traditions aren't necessarily logical. It's a, it's a very emotional connection. Um, uh, Longbeerian right now is, uh, they brew classic styles, a Hef, an IPA, because fucking even at North Pole, some bro is going to ask <laughs> what IPAs are on, are on tap. Um, oh, what's your highest IBU IPA, man? <laughs> a pale, a That stout. way the bear doesn't eat me. <laughs> a pale, a stout, and a few special releases, including a barrel-aged beer aged in one of the old coal mines. So you can get coal miner beer. In case you ever wanted coal miner beer. So do you get Black Lung? Please tell me that beer is called Black Lung. If that beer is not called Black Lung, I quit. Um, I cannot confirm nor deny that it's called Black Lung. I didn't give a name. Um, I, I'm just, uh, I can only end with uh, the fact that uh, uh, Johansson um, hints that he's not done with beer. He's thinking about opening a distillery there. So um, <laughs> He wants to max out your alcohol card on all fronts i'm just saying uh if uh if what you get from santa seems a little off this year now you know why (laughs) tyler what do you got next for us well keeping on the christmas trend uh have you ever been sitting around the christmas tree talking with friends and thought fuck i have to walk all the way to the kitchen to get another beer i mean only 
every Christmas at my house. Um, which well, is, which is why I've Miller... actually tried to get like a uh, get like an IV into my arm uh, because well, the holidays are rough for me. I was gonna say you might need rehab, but uh, <laughs> Miller Lite thought the same thing and decided they were gonna come up with a way to fix that, and so they came out with the first ever Christmas tree keg stand. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love this so much. Oh, it is basically a giant box that is able to go, and it, it is a fully functioning tree stand designed to fit perfectly around a quarter barrel keg of Miller Lite. Um, it's a large box with a tree stand able to hold a five foot tree or up to about 150 pounds on top, and it has room. Uh, for the keg and a bucket of ice uh, with a little hole through the top so the hand pump tap spout can fit through there and you can pour the beer from the base of the tree. I mean, in case you've been looking at the tree, if, if you're ever looking at a Christmas tree going, God, it's so beautiful, so, uh, 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 so sublime, I really need a beer to come out of the tree right now. And so low to the ground. It needs. We need to raise that up. Uh, I, I can't afford a twenty foot tree for my vaulted ceiling, so I'm going to raise it about three feet. <laughs> uh, but uh, limited quantities of this will be available starting at November 10th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time at TreeCakesAnd.com while supplies last. It'll be forty nine ninety nine for the stand. Uh, keg and tree not included. Uh, but if you do happen to miss out, fret not. Miller Lite has some other items to help brighten up your holiday season. They're bringing back the beer mints, which we talked about last year, that I kept trying to get and was never able to get. Uh, the beer can holding ornament. Uh, but this year they decided, you know, Instead of making it where you had to put an 8-ounce Miller Lite can in there, we're going to do it for one that can fit a 12-ounce Miller Lite can. So, November 10th, you'll be able to get the beer limits again, uh, as well as the keg stand. <laughs> in Jeremy... Uh, you had a brewery doing something kind of fun too. Well, uh, I mean, we weirdly, we weirdly, um, uh, 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 I saw this article. All right. And Tyler is our shitty beer doing weird shit correspondent. Um, I think, um, so I saw this article and I said, oh, Tyler will certainly pick that up, but, uh, uh, he missed it. So, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah. Thanks. Google algorithm. You send me this. (laughs) You send me the Miller Lite one so I can let our subscribers know before November 10th so we can actually get some of that this year. Uh, but you don't send me this? Uh, uh, last year, uh, PBR uh, created waves with the uh, uh, 1776 packs. Uh, it was a uh, it was the, the, the deemed the largest uh, packaging of beer, uh, obviously in honor of Independence Day. Uh, it contained uh, 1,776 cans of uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. 
um, and it was such a hit among the uh, 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 among the interwebs and social media and the media in general. I want to know: Did they actually sell any? You know they did. Somebody somebody looked at that and said, "I must have that." There is no way that they that somebody didn't buy a seventeen seventy six pack. Um, and uh, ba- and I and base that entirely on the fact that uh, this year they are introducing an uh, uh, eighteen forty four pack. Uh, yes, uh, for those that looked at the seventeen seventy six pack and said that's pretty good, but not that's it's it's like ninety some short of what I need uh, to get me through the holidays. Uh, yes. They are coming out with the 1844 pack in honor of uh, Pops' uh, founding year, 1844. Okay, that's just inefficient because at least the 1776 pack was an even number of 24-pack cases. It was 74 cases. The Uh, 1884 is... 1844. 1844, even worse... um, 44 divided by 24 is 76.833333 cases of beer. So now you have to break up because they're not going to lose pack a whole fucking thing. They're just throwing cases until they get to that 0.83333 case. That's your problem with this? Like the logistics of actually filling the case? Yes! Um, like I am looking out for that like warehouse worker that has to deal with that. I mean, you're you're right because per- you know that motherfucker is gonna be like, "Uh, you shorted me one can, or you gave me one can too many." I mean, if I'm buying, if I'm buying an 1844 pack, I want uh, 1,844 beers, and I want them counted. You're going to count them. You're going to count them in front of me. <laughs> We're going to do this together. I don't. Th- I don't care if it takes all day. It's going to take all day. Uh, but I'm buying uh, 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 one thousand eight hundred forty-four uh, cans of beer, and I want that to be known. Um, see, I'd rather just see them sell like a can that was one thousand eight hundred forty-four ounces. So what? Like a tanker truck? Like, do you just drive a tranker truck up to your house and be like, so here's your beer. Do you want us to tap it? We don't even know how to tap this for you. I mean, that's a little less than a half barrel. It's 14.4 gallons. Oh, I'm sorry. 18.44 ounces, not not gallons. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I had that. I had something completely different in my head. I'm like, that's somehow better for you? Yeah, but that doesn't have the, that doesn't, I mean, you look at, you look at uh, pictures of this uh, uh, motherfucker, um, and uh, uh, oh, give me one second here. It's, it stands like uh, uh, like four feet high, three feet wide. Uh, doesn't give a poundage, but you know the the whole the whole point of this is not to actually make this a viable product. It's so you walk into a grocery store, and this is going to be available in uh, in 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 uh, select markets uh, coming soon. By the way, the whole point is to walk into your local grocery store or you know booze dispensary, see this uh, uh, this objectively stupidly huge box uh, of beer, and say, "Wow, that's cool! I think I'm gonna get some Pops Blue Ribbon. Not that much, but I am gonna get um 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 get some get some Pops Blue Ribbon." Surprisingly cheap. 
Did they say I I I I didn't find I I didn't find a cost for it. Have you found a cost for it? Yes. Also, this released in July. Like, how yeah. are we just getting to this? <laughs> well, we're off in July, and it and it and Google put it on my uh, uh, on on my feed uh, and not yours. So um... now I do feel like I saw this over the summer, but I was drunk and I was like, ah, oh, I'll remember to look up this later. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, that made no eight hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. So not bad for that much beer. Um, uh, and they are uh, contemplating, um, uh. Maybe taking it to uh, the next level. Uh, 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 what do you think will be the next uh, um, uh, uh, objectively stupid uh, pack size? One million beers. Not quite that many. No. Uh, uh, 1920 uh, to celebrate the end of Prohibition. Ooh, probably. That makes it. That makes a lot of sense. So you can soon coming soon. Uh, maybe buy 1,920 beers. At one point in time, they're going to do like 10,000 beers. 10,000? 10,000 Paps Blue Ribbon is like winning the lottery in nickels. <laughs> in a trailer park? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they're going to spend the lottery full of nickels on anyways? <laughs> we can go get that gigantic thing of beer I've been having my eye on. Lolita, go get the slip and slide. We're going to have a party. Yeah. Well, they're gas in the truck. <laughs> Put gas in all the truck. We're gonna need all the trucks to get them the beers down here. Woo! Uh, <laughs> Tyler, do you have anything else to add? No. <laughs> Somehow we found a way to insult Kansas and trailer parks I in mean- separate conversations. Uh, you insult one, you insult the other. Uh, this has been It's All Beer. If you uh, live in Kansas or a trailer park, uh, um, you don't listen to this podcast, let's be honest. So, uh, fuck you. Uh, uh, enjoy sleeping with your cousins. Um, uh, but if you do listen to this podcast and want to get a hold of us, you can do so at uh, uh, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter feed, uh, It's All Beer 1. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram where we post pictures, possibly of a gigantic thing of beer. Uh, coming soon. Um, find us at It's All Beer. Uh, it's All Beer at gmail.com if you actually do live in Kansas and want to send us a sternly worded message. You're going to have to get behind. I've insulted. Again, I'm still, I am still. I wish we could kind of keep track because I'd like to see if, if there is a state we've missed because uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know. Is there a random state you'd like to insult right now, Tyler? Fuck you, Maine. <laughs> You took way too long with that. <laughs> you're like, uh, I don't know. I'm on the spot. Uh, Maine, you're off. You, uh, uh, you know which state uh, uh, really pisses me off uh, right now? Louisiana. Fuck Louisiana, you swamp-infested. Uh, uh, We've already hit them. I was going to say Iowa and New Jersey, and then I was like, no, I think we've got those. Got those. Okay. Um, Kentucky. So. We have not hit Kentucky. Fuck you, Kentucky, you bourbon barrel-aged mother monstrosity. Uh, <laughs> that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer and uh, probably uh, try to avoid people from Kentucky. Have fun. <laughs>